if you speak French, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Let's be serious now. We're working through our preaching series, our identity as we work through the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Fellow citizens of the saints and the members of the household of God having been built up on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. We're being built into this holy temple. <clears throat> You'll notice a whole lot of that I read last week but there's something about us being built into this holy temple and as I was reading it I, what the Lord impressed on my heart was really this when they would go and build something, they would go and cut a massive rock up into pieces and make smaller rocks, bigger stones, and then have them taken to the site where the construction was being done. And when it got there, they would then chisel off and knock off parts of the, the rock so that it would fit in together. They would have to shape it. So it wasn't, it wasn't cast bricks, it was shaped stones. And that's kind of what happens to us as we come into the local church. As you get born again, you get cut out from out the world. Then you get brought into this thing called the church. It's us. We're, we're in the church. We are the church. We attend church. We form the church. But this is church life. And for, for me, it's, it's like you've been brought out. You get saved. You have this encounter with Jesus. You're born again. And then you have to be molded. And we all love the part where we get pulled out by the, the, this rock gets pulled out and gets taken and gets used, but we don't like the chiseling so that I can fit in with you. You need to be chiseled to fit in with me. And what would happen with a rock is as they would see that the one that has been laid already, maybe something needs to be chiseled off, it has to be shaped so that the stones would fit in together. I don't live a life that I can fit in, but God will work things out in me so that we can be built into this holy temple that is the church. But when you first get saved, when you first come to church, it's perfect. It's amazing. You go to a church, you go, I found the perfect church. I know when people come to me and... Uh, the, the church I led in South Africa for 12 years, people would come to me and go, eventually I have found the perfect church and the perfect pastor. I'm going, where are they? No, this one. Oh no, give us a moment, give us a few weeks. We'll bug you somehow. No, you're a real pastor, I can trust you. You can trust me, and I'm a real pastor, but it's not what you think. I have found my place. It's perfect. Those are generally the people that don't last more than a month. Those people that get to church and go, well, this is wrong with the church, and that's wrong with the church, and that's wrong with the church, I'll go, well done, you have eyes. It's made up of people. We're all broken people trying to be, and I'm not saying I'm broken and I'm not fulfilled in everything that Christ has for me, but we have our issues, and we have our judgmentalness. And it's a new word I'm teaching you, judgmentalness, where you have judgment and you have mental problems. You have judgmentalness. <clears throat> Please make a note to that. I enjoy that as well. 
we get into church and we meet people and it's fantastic. Everything's great. I remember when we, when we first got saved, Hayden and I, we were in this church. It was wonderful. And I thought it was, everything was just, just magnificent. And I said to my sister, I felt, this church is amazing. I love it. She says, give it six months. Somebody's going to want to make you kill them. I said, not this church. They love Jesus. Yeah, yeah. She had been in the church for quite a few years. And it's funny how the, the, the first month, you notice the little things. Like, ah. I don't like it that we sang that song twice, two weeks in a row, but it's fine. I have grace in my heart for people like that. And then you get then somebody's, I mean, is, could it be worse and more blasphemous than somebody sitting in your seat? But you let it slide because if Jesus was willing to die for me, I'll make sure I reserve my seat next time. And I'd love it at church. People would put out little reserve signs. I'd go around and move them. Just... We move them around just to see how Jesus is working out their salvation. And we go, we go, and all of a sudden, after six months in, we're having arguments with people. No, it's mid-tribulation rapture. No, it's post-tribulation rapture. It's like, just get people saved for the love of Jesus. But we want to get so technical and complicated. Well, the flood was only in Mesopotamia. It wasn't the whole earth. We get caught up. And then God goes, I actually want to chisel because that stuff that you've got there, it's not even rock anymore. It's, uh, we dropped the rock in some feces and we're going to have to knock it off because you've come with issues. Not me, Lord, them. Obviously not this church. This is for those people that are joining us online that go to another church because it would never be this one where we get to be refined and processed so the title for this morning's sermon is called it's like being married (laughs) because doesn't married life start off like that when you first get married and you you're moving together it's like oh when he sleeps it's like this gentle poo as he lies there at two o'clock in the morning Uh, it warms my heart after three months, he has a light snore, but it's so precious. After nine months, he snores, but at least I know he's alive. After two years, he still isn't dead. How much more can a human being snore? Because the situation hasn't changed, our tolerance level has changed. Is that what we're doing? We suddenly we're entitled. Uh, we treat each other differently when we've been in church a little bit longer. When we get familiar with each other, we do that in married life as well. We treat each other poorly. I've listened to I was there. I've listened to men speak to their wives worse than what they'd speak to anyone else. But it's the one that they call to love unconditionally. I've watched wives and heard wives dishonor husbands in their absence, and somehow he's the one that's called to oversee love and protect I'm not placing a burden on you this morning I'm just speaking the church is full of weirdos and beardos and we (laughs) what if we looked at doing life in church as though this is a marriage relationship except with the intimacy stuff just the the way we reference each other the way we speak to each other, the way we honor each other. 
So I want to jump ahead just ever so slightly to Ephesians chapter 5. Wives, submit to your, hus- your own husbands as to the Lord. Uh, my sister, um, w- wonderful woman, she battled with that word submit and thought that possibly the word was summit. But she had to suppress that. Wives, submit to your husbands. The world has made that a dirty word, submit. We, no, but we're equal, absolutely equal in value, but different in function and role. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Do you see how he goes from church to body? But he's speaking about a husband and wife. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And too often husbands want to go, submit. As a church leadership team, I want to go, submit. Listen. Oh, wait. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. I want to just remember the phrase there, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church. I love the way he presents to himself. He's doing the work in the church to prepare the bride for himself. That he might present her to a, sorry, he, that he might present her to himself as glorious, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Now we're back to bodies. It's wives, husbands, bodies, church, building, being molded and formed to live and love together. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. There are three things I want us to take out of it this morning. Is that as we function as a church, as a body, as we do this, that we do it out of loving submission to one another different roles so you'll have leaders it's different roles equal value if you're not a leader it doesn't make you less valuable it's a different function if you are a leader regardless of how far you rank yourself you're of equal value just have a different function different call different purpose different destiny same value I hear stories of Christians being martyred in China and them huddled together and caring for each other. I, I, I read the stories of Christians in the Middle East as they sing hymns and worship Jesus together as their children are destroyed because they've proclaimed their faith in Jesus Christ. I've heard Christians... Be- 2019, I'd hear Christians talk about it. I'd give my life, I'd give my anything for Jesus. I'd serve Him no matter what. I'd go to the ends of the earth for Christ Jesus. 2020 hits and all of a sudden if you wear a mask you're a sinner if you don't you're a killer all of a sudden we have a situation where and I don't know what it was like over here I'm speaking from my own experience I watched something that was insignificant as far as what the kingdom is concerned it killed people it affected economies and it messed with countries but as far as kingdom work is concerned COVID-19 should have never had the impact that it did ever it should I'm not and you're sitting there thinking, he's against the masks. And then he's thinking, no, he's pro. I'm not. I'm kingdom. I'm kingdom. I'm built with one. Yeah. 
But all of a sudden, if you never had faith that Jesus would protect you from COVID, you had no faith at all. And all of a sudden, if you, it just, it, we went wild and we treated each other poorly. Watch families being divided. Christians, we should have shone. That is our opportunity. That is the opportunity for the world to see a church alive on fire for Jesus with a passion. And yes, wear the mask, don't wear the mask. I don't care. We had it going, it was just 5G was being rolled out in South Africa. They blamed COVID on 5G towers. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're telling the world how dumb we are. Then, certain, then suddenly it's triple six, mark of the beast, vaccinated, not vaccinated. It's wild. When did any, ever did a situation present itself that had us hating each other so much? I wasn't here. I don't know who did what. I don't know what you got up to. I'm saying, church, that's the last time that we treat each other that way. That's the, that doesn't get to happen again. And then all the doomsdayers are going, he knows there's another one coming. Let me let you in on something. None of us make it out of this alive. Okay, we've settled that. When you go, it's going to happen, act surprised. <laughs> How it ends, when you get there, you say to Jesus, didn't think it was going to end that way. Didn't understand the scriptures quite like you wrote it. Lord, I'm sorry. And he's going to go, well, I realize that. But anything that distracts us from our call and our purpose of loving each other and loving the Lord God is an absolute distraction. And in loving submission, we get to care for each other. Uh, June 2023. Yes, it's safe to speak about COVID. It's three years later. We've allowed the three, what's three and a half years? Kind of? Three. All right. At three and a half years, then we can start looking at the book of Daniel and we can do the whole three and a half year <laughs> tribulation thing. If we're going to do this and see church grow, and I don't just mean day spring, but church grow, we need to see a loving submission to one another where we have a tolerance, not for sin, but for people. Tolerate each other. I've been married for 25 years to a remarkable woman. There's stuff that she tolerates about me. She doesn't know that I know. That it bugs her. And I don't let her know that I know because then she'll expect me to stop. So I act dumb, she acts kind, another 25 years in the pipeline waiting for us. <laughs> She's perfect, there's nothing I can't even love. <laughs> there's stuff that she does that I look at and she goes, does that bug you? And I go, not worth the argument we're going to have about it. Because I prefer being at peace with her than winning an argument. I, I would rather lose an argument, and I have to put in effort to lose an argument. <laughs> She's so great. You see, this is what I do. 
And I, I, I just I, I leave it. And then if she's right, I say, you know what, you're right. Because um, I'd rather have peace. Can we just live like that, please? Somebody makes a reference and it's not quite, I'm not talking about heresy. Somebody makes a reference and it's not quite spot on to your theology. Please excuse us, Mr. Smith Wigglesworth. Can you tolerate our ignorance for another month while we try to catch up to your level of superiority? <laughs> Point number two. <laughs> we wash each other with a word and not beat each other with a word if you're ever with a Christian friend and you have to pull the Bible out so you can win an argument you're losing a friend the Bible so we, this is what we want to do I love high pressure cleaners and it takes normal water pressure or even water from a, a bucket and it puts it through the machine and it puts it through a ridiculous pressure and you can strip paint off you can change people's dna with this stuff i'll never forget many years ago when i got my first water pressure gun i got it i put it on i put my finger in front of it i put the machine down i realized it hated me and i went and did something else it's that's what we want to do with the bible we want to take the word that is called to water and soothe and bring peace and life and we want to water pressure spray each other off i'll get rid of your sin you filthy bugger look at you turn around It's even worse, this angle. As opposed to going, you're in pain, you're suffering. I'm going to read scripture over you, and the water's literally just going to wash over you, and it's going to soothe, and it's going to bring life. And at the same time, if we ever read scripture, we'd know that the enemy's darts are fiery darts, and this water is actually going to extinguish stuff as well. You keep your shield of faith up. I'm going to wash you with a word. get you that person said that I've got a scripture to counteract that he made that reference I'm gonna get him that's what we do if you have an opinion about me and you want to share something with me by all means send me don't send me emails it's you have a coffee with me and you can chat if I ever say something I have a different responsibility on stage while I'm preaching if you I'm not saying don't say something if you disagree by all means um, go and Google and get the best information that you can and then come and chat to me. I'm saying when we're working with each other, we should be soothing each other with the water of the word that loves. That's how we get to work with each other. I'm not trying to wash you of your sin or your misunderstanding. I'm trying to bring life because when the body has life in every area, the body can grow. Leave your father and your mother. This is what I mean. Um, so often we grow up in a household where there was something taught or believed because your family believes that my family believes this my family believes that you don't get back so in South Africa we always had this um, water baptism as an adult or as a believer was seen as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit so you'd be uh, christened as a baby you'd have water sprinkled in you as a baby they'd have a ceremony and that's, that's baptism and if you were fully submerged as an adult there was, there's a denomination that then says you're uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit you are forever condemned and you can never be saved if you're baptized in water so 
we could attack those people had no fruit. We'd speak about it lovingly and kindly, but at the end we had to get to the point where we're going, what if we abandon what mom and dad taught you just for a moment and see what the word says? Honor your mother and father. It's the first promise, uh, it's, it's the first commandment of the promise. We honor our parents. That's biblical. But sometimes we need to look, is what they've taught us biblical? If there's a, something of a tradition in your family that's ungodly, it has to stop. My mom used to read tea leaves. I just read tea leaves as well. My mom used to tell fortunes, I'll also, don't dabble in the occult just because your family played around with it. That is a generational bloodline curse that you need to actually break off. All right. So there may be some stinking thinking in your DNA that you've got to deal with. It all has to come under the word. It all has to come under the submission of the king. It's almost... When I look at how a husband and wife have to work in submission to each other, lovingly caring, with one purpose to see the family being released into their full destiny, I think it's a beautiful representation of what the church could look like. We should do a wedding on a day like this. We should have set that up for a wedding. Anyone want to get married? Jeremy, Lydia, you guys ready to tell the knot yet? You are? Will you join me on stage, please? You've just been invited to Jeremy and Lydia's wedding. The word of God says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10. We can often see evidence of this in our lives. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then, but it says, but Jesus said, I have come to give life and life in abundance. And for me, there's nothing quite knowing what you've gone through and knowing your story and being part of, even though I was a few thousand miles away, of where the enemy has come and he has stolen, he has killed and destroyed, Jesus steps in, and this is life and life in abundance that you get to witness this morning. So, some of you may be thinking, wow, that's really soon. Well, those who think things are really soon generally also are under the delusion that time heals wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds, Jesus does. Time rots. What time does, however, do, it allows us to forget the scars are there. They are there but allows healing. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it doesn't matter. But this morning, we're celebrating them getting married, and it was discussed, how do we include the whole family and uh, this family? And I said, let's do it on a Sunday morning. I'm preaching on this. It works out so well. And um, then I just stay there. Whenever I prepare for a wedding, I always have to think, well, um, I, I assess my own married life. What do I want? Married people, what do you expect out of your married lives? What do you expect out of being married? Well, I need breakfast and I need dinner. and I, I need live in a hotel. It'll possibly be cheaper. When I think about what I want from my married life, I mean, I, I like this chick. She's awesome. I enjoy spending time with her. Film this for when we have an argument, you play this back. So... 
where you get to hang out and spend time and go on this journey, this destiny that God has set out before you. You know, the, in, I know, Lydia, I know God could use you in an extraordinary way. There's just no doubt about it. Jeremy, likewise. I mean, I, I love spending time with you, and I know that God could use you individually quite comfortably. But when he brings you together, there's something of this unity. And scripture speaks to us. When two walk together, when one falls, the other one could help them up. That's what I want out of my married life. That when I'm in trouble, if I mess up, that my wife's there not to critique me, not to criticize me. Church, we're not going to criticize each other when we fall. We're there to help each other up. That's what you guys get to do. That's the power of this unity. There is no representation of kingdom quite like a not just the wedding, but married life. The challenges, the difficulties. I know yours will be perfect. We understand that. But for the normal ones, 1 Corinthians 13 says this. So this is my model for married life. If I have prophetic powers and I understand mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love, actually, let's do this. When I say love, you should be able to put your name in. All right? Love is patient and kind. Is that how we are with each other? Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant, rude. It's not insistful on its own way. It's not resentful. It's not irritable. Can we say that about each other with our spouse? I'm never irritable. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Prophecies and knowledge and all that will pass away. That's the model for a married life. That's the model for us as a church. That's how we get to live in unity together. It's this. And this... What we're doing here this morning, I want us to take this in, that this is how we need to treat each other. I, I've brought you a gift. Has anyone else brought them gifts? I'm shocked. <laughs> Would you please pass me the gift bag? I'm, I'm an extraordinary, thank you, you're awesome. I'm an extraordinarily uh, gifted, excuse the pun, gift buyer, purchaser. So... Very important, this stuff. <laughs> All right. First one is a fine grater. It's a cheese grater. You guys have to keep this, by the way. <laughs> this is the thing about a grater. Want to rub it this way? does nothing. When I rub it this way, it hurts me. Be careful how you take things up. Be careful how you interpret things. Be careful how you process things. Be careful how you hear things. Are you hearing it the way it's being presented or are you filtering it through something so that you're taking it up the wrong way? If someone says something, assume the best. If someone makes a reference, assume the best. If someone does something, acts in a certain way, assume the best that way, you'll never take it up the wrong way. But as soon as we're sensitive about everything, we tend to have every single thing being like an absolute rasp in our lives, and it hurts us and damages us. Married life. Lydia, you just make lasagna with us. That's all you need to remember. 
I'm sorry. It, it won't. It won't. Okay. Sorry. Okay. It's not supposed to have a flavor. I don't know if kids got hold of it before the meeting. Sometimes we must just shut up. Sometimes we have to just keep quiet. I have, I have had moments where I've walked out of a meeting or a situation and thought I should have said something. But more often have I walked out of a meeting and thought I just shouldn't have said that. Whether I've had a discussion with my wife and I've said, and as I've said it, as the words are leaving my mouth, I literally see their lights flashing, their angels with flags going, don't go there, don't go. I'm going, Holy Spirit Comforter, come and help me right now, please. You may take those out your mouth. That was just for the wedding photos. You may hang on to that for now. Can we not always have to say, in married life, you don't always have to say something. Sometimes... Okay, change your face, allow your facial expression to say the same. Person who's responsible for keeping you happy. Here's a mirror for you. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. If you ever rely on other people for your happiness, you will always be sad and disappointed. If you rely on Jesus for your joy, you'll always be happy and your dreams will be fulfilled. You cannot put that pressure on each other um, and you cannot put that pressure on each other. There's a small little pack of candles for you. That's just a reminder to keep the fire going. That's the thing with this little candle. If you light it, the amount of effort that you need to put in to keep it burning is quite ridiculous. Any breeze, any disturbance, any movement will blow it out. Have you seen it when they're trying to light the candles on the birthday cake and by the time they've lit the fifth one, the first one's dead and they get to the tenth one and the first one's burnt out and it's a bit of mayhem. Uh, and then everyone gets to blow on the cake. Remember those days before 2020? We were blowing on cakes. Happy birthday. <laughs> Eat my food. Good times, great times. Uh, but the reality is with a small flame, you'll protect the environment around it so that you can keep the fire going. We need to protect the fire that the Holy Spirit has placed inside of us by protecting the environment around us, that the environment around us doesn't kill the fire that God has put in us. We have to look after the environment around us. Pack yourself in the Word, in worship, and in prayer. And then, obviously, I mean, you're getting married. What fire could we wish for? Anyway, I have, you can pop that in there. Okay, let's get to the other good stuff. You have vows that you have written for each other, to each other, going to read to each other. And I said to them, do not read it to the congregation because you're not making a covenant with them. So do your thing. You're going to go first, Jeremy. Yeah.
Sorry. Long time. We got a lot to say. I have a lot to say. Was it good? All right. Do you, Jeremy, take Lydia to be your lawfully wedded wife? To have and to hold from this day forward, you promised to laugh with her. Sorry, that you'd laugh with her in times of joy and comfort her in times of sorrow. You promised that you'll share in her dreams and support her as she strives to achieve her goals. That you'll listen to her with compassion and always respond encouraging. That you'll help her when she needs it and step aside when she doesn't and you'll be the leader of this household. Can we have the household join us on stage? All you guys can come get on stage with us. Okay, this is your moment. Yeah, this is not the... Uh... Come on, if you're going to clap for the kids, clap properly. I know some of you may have thought that we had invited the Sunday school to join us for the ceremony, but no, these are their children and beautiful family that they have. Lydia, I read this charge to you as well. Lydia, do you take Jeremy to be your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward? Do you promise that you will laugh with him in times of joy and comfort him in times of sorrow? Do you promise that you will share in his dreams and support him as he strives to achieve his goals that you'll listen to him with compassion and understanding and always encourage him and that you'll help him when he needs it and step aside when he doesn't that you'll submit to his leadership as he undertakes to lead the household do you she does so what tokens have you brought this morning as a reminder of the vows that you have made wedding rings all right let me see let me see i'm assuming this one the big brutish one is yours. <laughs> Have you ever noticed with the wedding ring, the girls is so much prettier than the boys, just like them? <laughs> so this is the reminder. The wedding ring, it's a ring, it's circular. It kind of represents the love that Jesus has for us that's never ending. It's valuable, it's precious, it's a reminder of the vows that you've made. And at the same time, when you, I enjoy fidgeting with my wedding ring. I still have a habit of thinking of Haiti when I do that. And uh, that this, when you put it on your finger, it never becomes something that becomes a weapon that you then take off as a threat. You never make, it, make a reference to it. Certain words don't get used in our vocabulary. If you speak life over every situation. So as you put these wedding rings on each other's fingers, it's accepting the vows that you've not only read over each other, but as you stand before everyone here today, making covenant that you'll love, honor, and obey before God and man, representing his kingdom well. That it'll be an absolute example to your children and to others of kingdom relationship. As we see restoration where the enemy has come to steal, that this is a day of restoration. That when you put these on your fingers now, it's something of a mantle that's being placed on you so that you'll walk in the favor and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll give that to you. Sorry. That one to you. May put the rings on each other's fingers. I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please.
as you have made solemn vows before God and man, and as you, as you have declared to give yourselves completely to one another as a family and obviously to each other, in ordained wedlock, I am happy to pronounce your husband and wife, you may kiss your man. While you're standing, let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what has been established, not just in the physical, but established in the, in the spiritual realm this morning, where this is a beautiful representation of your bride and your, you, King Jesus. But Lord God, I pray a hedge of protection around this family, that the enemy will not have access to them, the enemy will not get to speak to them, reference them. They will not even be speak, spoken about behind closed doors. I speak over this family that they will walk in the favor and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ forever, that the children will know the goodness of Jesus because of them seeing their parents worshiping Jesus. Lord, we pray as a church a blessing over them. We celebrate with them. All this, we honor you, our King. In Jesus' name we pray and declare. Amen. You may return to your seats. You may take your seats, but for a moment.